Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with Anglo-Hispanic writer Janelle Hooper-Moraz. She is an independent author of 10 books and a play. Several of them have won awards because she was born and raised about seven miles outside of the Fort Sill Indian Reservation in Oklahoma. Many of her stories have their foundation in her Hispanic family's friendships with indigenous people from various tribes. She now lives in Washington State near her family. Enjoy this interview. I'm looking forward to peeling back the layers of your life as a writer. And to begin this process, I want to ask the last three and a half years living through this pandemic has been quite a thing. How did you get through it and how did it change you? Oh, boy, did it change me. Uh, For one thing, uh, I could not afford uh, to get COVID. And it was rampant around here. I, I just I'm not well enough to get that on top of what I've already got. So I decided I was going to really shelter in. So I started planning and I decided my first novel, A Three Turtle Summer, that I would rewrite it and just start sending it out to agents, you know, as soon as COVID slowed down. And so I spent a lot of time doing that. And then I got into Instagram, which my publisher thought that if I got on Instagram, my whole world would change, you know, what a sales pitch. Anyway, uh, so I got on Instagram. I'm not graphic. Oh, Joe, I, I've struggled with that, but I figured it out and now I'm hooked on it. And now I've got a huge, uh, Instagram site. You'll have to check it out someday. I've got all of my books on there and stories and my past artwork and all kinds of stuff. So that I kept busy. I did short stories and, uh, uh, the time just flew by, really. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I think, you know, I noticed that a lot of like time just kind of melted. It's hard to keep up with all of the years that went through. But it sounds that sounds great. I mean, and especially being a writer, it's already a solitary act. So what I want to do is to get kind of to the essence of you. And I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at career day. And one of the kids looks up and says, hey, what do you do for a living? How would you answer that child? (laughs) I would say I married up. That's how I make my living as a writer, because my husband was a banker. Well, he came in one day and he's, I told him, I said, I've decided I want to write a novel. And this was a three turtle summer. And without even blinking, he said, that's great. We're going to need the tax deduction. And that has been my job throughout our marriage. I recently lost him. But after 61 years of marriage, actually over 61 years of marriage, uh, but throughout Throughout uh, our marriage, I always thought of myself as somebody's tax deduction. So I was free to go ahead and write what I wanted to, when I wanted to. And I published uh, 10 books. Uh, Well, I published a little bit more. I've taken some off that were, I think, a little bit too personal. I did a, a motivational book on how to survive arthritis. And I named it, uh, how to live on a rocky beach because the kids used to wear a t-shirt that said uh life is a beach and yeah. i wanted to write beneath it yes but some beaches have rocks <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway so i did that that's now off the market and i did some children's stories and i just was free all of a sudden but uh to to do whatever i wanted to so it it really uh it was a godsend for me because I really, my body is sometimes going a lot slower than my brain. 
So I really needed with the all the wonderful stuff we've got now with the internet and all of this research, I don't have to worry about how I'm going to get to the library, you know, and yeah. who's going to pick me up and, you know, so I've made, I've, I've, I've made it work for me. That's wonderful. So what did you want to be when you were in the third grade? What was your dream to grow up and become? Well, when, when I was in the second grade, my cousin and I uh, bought a Dick Tracy press kit and we started putting out a newspaper a neighborhood newspaper. Now, this is a neighborhood like four houses. Like we would call it a cul-de-sac nowadays, but it wasn't really on a cul-de-sac. And uh, we spent all day doing that and several days doing that. Nobody bought. A, in fact, we got into a lot of trouble because we told a lot of the secrets in the neighborhood. But that's what I wanted to do then. When I got to be, that's the one that stuck with me, Joe. Uh, when I was in the uh, third grade, I wanted to be a dancer. And I did. Uh, I took dance lessons, ballet lessons, tap lessons. And I did actually was able to be in a troupe when I was in high school, uh, a ballet and tap troupe uh, here on the West Coast. But my arthritis started hitting me. So I had to, you know, back off. So but that so I really, you know, I I kind of have moved my careers going with my arthritis, you know, the arthritis started in the feet. So I moved up and did something else. And, you know, I had a radio show for a while. Uh, you know, I, all these, I moved up into these other things as I needed to. But uh, I always found a way to keep busy. So talk to, talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised and how these seeds of becoming a writer and growing into who you are today. How did all that happen? Well, I was born and raised in Lawton, Oklahoma, which is right outside the Fort Sill Indian Reservation, where they kept Geronimo. And as a child, I thrived on the environment. I mean, Oklahoma, no, no offense, Oklahoma, but let's face it, you're full of snakes and turtles and bugs and other creepy crawly stuff. And I loved it. And uh, I had the the local museum of the Indians uh, there for still it used to be the jail when the reservation was uh, young. And so they made uh, a museum out of it. And I was just a combination of all of that. And I got my first library card. And my cousin took me. I didn't even know I could get a library card when we were. I was in the second grade. He was probably in the fourth by then. So I went to the library and I found I saw all these books. Joe, I'd never seen them before. My mother didn't take me places like that. You know, I had never seen one. So I asked the lady, I said, uh, you know, could I get a library card? She said, sure. And she started filling it out. You know, just what's your name, blah, blah. And I said, can I take the books home? You sure can. How many I, can I take home? She said, as many as you want. So I really would. My cousin and I would go to the library and we would load up on books. And then we would have to walk home three and a half miles because we were so anxious to get to the library that we spent our dime to get to the library. And so uh, when we went to go home, we had no money to ride the bus. So we had to walk. It would have been better, smarter to do it the opposite way. But, of course, we were just so anxious to get there. And I just, I, I read all the time for lots of reasons in my family. I had, uh, I just had some issues. My family was having issues. And so 
I could just sit down and read a book and everybody could go do what they're going to do around me. And I would just sit there and read till it was time to go to bed. Wow, that's wonderful. What was the first book that you really read that captivated you, that you loved and really made you either want to read more or write? I don't remember the first one, but I can tell you that I used to go into the library and I would go anything to do with a horse. I think lots of girls when they're young, they they like the idea of horses. I read all the books on horses, Black Beauty and all of them. I don't remember the first title. And then on the other side of the library was where they had all the books about the Native Americans that were there at the... Uh, uh, on the reservation. Uh, there were books on how to speak Comanche. I would always check out. I could never figure it out, Joe, but I couldn't resist it. I would get all these books on how to read Comanche and Kiowa and about the beaded uh, costumes, everything. I was just enthralled by it. And so in, a, a, I don't remember what year it was, we were in Alaska and somebody said, we need you for the to be a docent at this. Oh, it's a huge museum. It's fabulous. And so I started being a docent. And of course, all my knowledge is building during all this time. Uh, indigenous peoples in, you know, Alaska, New Jersey, even you know, everywhere. I was, as we traveled with the army, I was able to uh, just soak in everything I could. And that's how it all started. So what was the first story that you wrote where you were like, this makes sense. This is my life. This is something I want to pursue. Or it just made you feel good. What was that first story for you? I started right out with a three turtle summer, which turned out to be 93,000 words. And I was just, I just fell into it. And I started writing. And well, it started at first. I wanted to write a novel. And I couldn't, I didn't have any idea how to start. I'd never had a class in it. I had English in college, but, you know, they don't teach you how to write a novel, at least not here in Washington State. So uh, I just struggled. I really struggled. And then one day I thought, why am I doing this? I've got all these characters that I'm living around. You know, my mother had four sisters and she had three brothers and they were his Hispanic. And I'm so I'm part Hispanic. And I said, and they were such characters. They were wonderful. They were funny. They were lively. They loved to dance. They did everything. And so I thought, I'll just write about them. So I sent each of them a letter and I said, hey, I want to write this book. Would it be okay if I used you in my book? And they all wrote back or called, one called, and said, sure, because, Joe, they thought I'd never finish it. Sure, let her do, let the kid do whatever she wants. I was always so quiet. I think they thought I was some type of a retard or something. Anyway, she'll never finish it. Just say yes. And so I got all these letters back. And then the book was an award winner. <laughs> so for right out of the, right out of the gate, I got a lot of encouragement. That's wonderful. So who's been a hero for you in your life? I think all of my heroes have been mostly people in books. Mm -hmm. I love books about uh, first ladies and presidents and uh, histor other historical people. But if, if I had to pick a live person, I would pick my husband because he was very, very intelligent. 
And he just had like an x-ray vision. Like, if you do this, then all this is going to happen later. And he would just point everything out to me. And uh, he had a systematic way of thinking that really impressed me. And uh, very kind and very giving. And really always willing to help. Uh, so I think I think in person it would have to be my husband. So if you could meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? Who would you love to meet and talk to? Oh, nobody's ever asked me that. Let's see. Who would it like to be? Uh, probably another writer. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know which one. I have so many. Uh, I d I'm still an avid reader. I just absolutely... I, I love my books, and uh, I've got stacks and stacks of them around. Uh, they're all I've stacks of them waiting. Some in the living room, some in the bedroom. You know, they're all over the place. So if I get in the in the kitchen, I can cooking something. I can pick up a book and read it while something boils. You know, I just uh, it's just a big thing with me. But uh, I wish I had a better answer for you. That's no, that I've was got. a great that was a great answer. I love that answer. Um, so. What is the motivation for you every day to create these stories? Um, you know, the, the beauty of a writer is you get to create worlds for people and you get to, you get to create an escapism. What is that motivation for you every day to construct these stories and to ultimately be who you are? The motivation I have is to write the stories that are in my head. And I have a lot of stories running around in my head. A couple of novels back there somewhere. I was just thinking of that, about that today. But uh, if I don't write, I become so cranky. And nobody can live with me. And so it's like I have to write because I have to get these stories out. I'm uh, uh, 79 years old, Joe. I keep thinking, if I keep messing around, I might die before one of these stories is finished. You know, I, I have to keep going. Yeah. And uh, so I, I write a lot. I work, uh, well, over six days a, work, a week. I work, I have uh, dinner with the family once or twice a week. And usually they go, you know, home really early because they have to work. And then I work in the morning. I work in the noon. I work at night. I get up. I was up at four o'clock this morning. Uh, so, I mean, I just. I just have a passion for it. But I have a passion for a lot of things, Joe. I really do. I mean, it's just, uh, I was, when I was a kid, I was in the rocks and then I was in the turtles and then we went to the ocean once and I became a, a collector of seashells and uh, then plants and then all kinds, of, you know, I'm just, I'm just all in for anything I do until I learn all I want to know about it. And then once I learn, like, for instance, I wanted to learn how to knit. Once I understood how those needles went through and how that worked, then I was done. That was all I wanted to know. I moved on to the next thing, which happened to be organic gardening. But anyway, uh, uh, probably uh, nobody else could stand me except my husband <laughs> for very long because I always had, let's do this. And they'd look at me like, oh, really? We want to stay <laughs> home and watch the football game. <laughs> so what's been the best advice that you've ever gotten in life? The best advice that I've ever gotten is to not take the advice that I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people always thought that I was a dummy. I mean, uh, when I was at elementary school, the teacher sent home uh, a little letter 
what grades do you expect, you know, Janelle to get? What are you expecting? And mom wrote back and said, oh, I'd be happy if she got C's. Really? That's all my mom thought I was worth was C's? And uh, all the way through, and I got up to college, and this professor said, someday, when you have some life, when you've had some experiences, you're going to be a great writer. And then the first book I wrote was about my childhood trauma. The second book I wrote was about my child, and they were both award winners. And so he, he just didn't know me. If he would have known that I had all this stuff, he would have said, kid, you go ahead and write your book because you've got enough information now. But he had no idea. You know, he had a class of, what, 60 kids or something. But yeah, so anyway, I've just learned to follow my own little ideas. So, and as you know. Yeah, no, that's that's wonderful. And I, I'm curious, if you were to have a dream tonight and you ran into that younger version of you, let's say, uh, you know, your senior year of high school, and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the life that you've lived, the wisdom you've gained, what advice would you give your younger self? I would give my younger self to stand up for myself more and finish college and not give up my college so that my husband could finish because <laughs> we want we just want to get out of school. And so and I was getting I was getting something called lupus. Uh I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's kind yeah. of an autoimmune thing. Mm -hmm. And uh so I just didn't have a lot of energy. And the family thought that I should rest. Well, I should have thrown myself in my books and said, I don't care if I die in this English class, I'm going to get this degree, you know. But I did not. I backed off. So uh, I was way too docile. So I'm not docile anymore. I grew out of it. So as someone that obviously has a, a, a great thirst for life and curiosity, if you could get transported in a time machine back in time and witness any event in human history, what would you love to have witnessed with your own eyes? I often think about the age where I went to art school for a little bit. That's another one of my passions. Uh, I, I love to think about the age of when Picasso and all those famous artists were in Paris. And they would meet and they say they would meet and, you know, have beer and wine and everything, you know together i would love to have been there to absorb all of that and then to see what they painted yeah that's a great answer i love that so of all of the things that you've done you've lived quite a mighty existence what are you the proudest of what is it that you've done that you're the proudest of oh no doubt my family it doesn't matter what i've ever done my family always came first actually it was like one daughter and then uh, when she got married, she had a grandchild. So I've got three family members now. And I don't regret one hour, one minute, one second of all the time that I spent with her. I didn't start writing till she was in high school because mm -hmm. I was not going to leave her. I wanted to make sure that I was able to take her to baseball practice and to all these things that kids have to go to, you know, after school and I drove her. I did not let the neighbors, hey, would you take her to so-and-so? You know, I've, I've got to work. I, I I did not do that. And I've never regretted it because that and uh, my grandson, there's nothing wrong with my son-in-law, by the way. He's pretty great. But my grandson, 
uh, needed a babysitter when he was growing up. And he had been a preemie. And uh, my daughter couldn't afford that. They wanted $450 a month to watch him while she worked for the week. And my husband said, I'll tell you what. If you'll stay home and take care of Jacob during the week, then on the weekends, you can write, do whatever you want to do. And I will cook, I will clean, I'll do the laundry, I'll mow the yard, I'll do everything that needs to be done. Well, that was the best time of my life. And I got a lot of work done on the weekends because I knew I only have this block of time. So, you know, I have I have to keep at it. But my time with my grandson, we even wrote a little book together, a little story. It's uh, uh, I called it There's a Mouse in the House, unfortunately, because I didn't check to see how many titles there are, just how many books there are with that title. But anyway, we even we even wrote books. We did paintings. We went places. Uh, I had a little red car. It was a Chevy Blazer that had a back seat that was really wide. And I could put him in there, you know, even as crippled up as I was, and take him everywhere. I took him to glass museums. He was bored to death with that. But anyway, I took him everywhere. <laughs> and I, I enriched his. Someday he'll have a wife and he'll think, I'm sure glad I know what this is about. Because otherwise, without grandma, I would have never known about plays. And he's not, you know, he's a sporty type. He's not that type of guy. But anyway, yeah, I love my family. And I love my husband. I just doted. I was crazy about that man. I'll tell you. It was just really, uh, I was really lucky. I had one man, you know, one family, not two or three divorces and all this stuff. I was totally focused on my family. That's wonderful. So everyone out there has a perception of you. There's all these different people in your life. You know, you got family, you got friends, you got all of your fans, but ultimately you run the show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think I'm adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I really, I was thinking the other day, you know, a lot of people in my life, I'm quiet. Normally you wouldn't know it from this morning, but when I'm by myself, I'm very quiet. And they just think that there's not much going on in there, you know. Because I don't have a lot of comments about things, but I put my comments on paper and they don't, some of those people just don't realize that. But also problem I have, Joe, is that because I'm in a wheelchair a lot of the time, people think I'm retarded too. You know, yeah. they think, you know what, and I'm not, believe me, I've, I've been tested, I'm fine. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but that's people, people don't have a perception of me until I start speaking or until I write something. Uh, they really just, you know, I'm just kind of like the little quiet person in the corner that's kind of retarded. You know, how did she get in here anyway? You know, what yeah. is she doing here? So of all of your books, what's been one of the best fan letters you've ever gotten back? Oh, I have a book. I have a series of books. I call it my Turtle Trilogy. It was my first one, said Three Turtles Summer. And the second one is As Brown As I Want, The Indian Head Diaries. And the third one is Custer and His Naked Ladies. Well, As Brown As I Want, uh, I would go to the library, it would be gone. And so I would wait, and it would still be gone. And so I finally talked to somebody. I said, where's my book? You know, I'm like, why don't you guys have my book? She said, they take it out, and they don't want to give it up, so they keep it. Wow. So, so this little lady, this little lady, this little girl, she wrote me and she said, I got in trouble 
today because I was reading your book in school <laughs> and I got in trouble with the teachers. And I just want you to know how much I love your book. And I've still got that letter. I just love it. That's wonderful. So if anyone out there wants to get your books, learn more about you, get get uh, find you on Instagram, anywhere out there, where's the best place to go? You know what? The best place to go is Amazon. Those people are so good. I have a whole little page. They can find me there, but it's uh, www.amazon.com slash author, A-U-T-H-O-R, of course, slash Janelle Hooper. They don't use the morass name. I think it's too long, you know, so they cut it down to Janelle Hooper. And all my books will come up. And I'm, I have a WordPress and an Instagram and I'm on Facebook. And I just use, I'm not very creative. I just use my whole name, Janelle Moraz Hooper on everything. So anybody can find me anywhere. Excellent. Janelle, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Best of luck with everything as we move forward. I really appreciate your time today. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And I, I'm you've got a fan now with your show. I'm going to be watching. I'm not watching, listening, because it's oh, this this uh, podcast thing is new to me. And I am really, I am really getting into it. So I'll I'll be one of your listeners. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up your books, and we'll be in touch. So thank you, thank you very much. Have a great holiday, and you enjoy, too. Enjoy the rest of the day. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. Music